yum nub. He chopped the yum nub. I told me to be chicken. Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name's Jamie, and my hatred kept my spirit intact, even though my body was not. And my name is Matt. Truly wonderful, the mind of a child is. That is true. That is true. Even though that scene makes very little sense. <laughs> what if Master Obi-Wan's just an idiot? <laughs> Master Obi-Wan, you need a mind of a child... All right, so we have gotten past our technical difficulties, and we are recording. Hooray! Yay. Hey, so uh, today we're going to be talking about Episode 6 of Star Wars Visions, T-0B. This was uh, originally released on September 22nd, 2001 on Disney+, Plus with the full uh, Visions anthology. Before we uh, dig in, usually we talk a little Star Wars. So, Matt, it's been a few weeks. What uh, Star Wars sort of things have you been up to i know we've both started the thrawn book the third book in the second thrawn trilogy lesser evil i don't know how far you're into it i'm probably about a third of the way through right now and without giving anything away we can talk about the book later after there's some time some time has passed i'm a thrawn fan i think all of these books have been good and this one's no exception as far as i'm concerned and I would read more Thrawn if they wanted to do more. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Um, I think I'm only on chapter one, to be honest. Though there was a fairly long prologue. I know it's it's really good. I'm I'm really enjoying it so far. But it's really hard for me to hate something Star Wars, but people do it from time to time. Yeah, we've done it. In, we've done it in Visions so far, both of us. But yeah, typically we're generally positive people when it comes to Star Wars stuff. I think the Thrawn stuff has been very good, and we're sort of on we're recording this in mid to late november of 2021 and so we're really getting close to a bunch of live action star wars coming out on disney including ahsoka which will have thrawn in it yeah. so i'm really curious where they're going to go with all of this i thought about that and and i don't know if we talked about it before but that does that mean that eli vanto will be in it or admiral Ar- aralani I hope so. I hope they bring. I hope it's not just Thrawn, but I hope they bring in some. You know me. I always want. I always want those novel characters and comic book characters to make the jump to live action. Mm-hmm. I would love it if they had Eli in it. What a perfect character! And to get him some, get him cast and in some screen time. His his character design is so generic in the comic. At least you could you could definitely cast that character. And they play him like a bumpkin in the book a little bit, but he's supposed to be like Watson to his Sherlock when it's easy, easy to find that dynamic. Yeah, find a find an actor with a uh, southern accent and have him be uh, play Vanto. Yeah, yeah, it'd be perfect. Have you done anything other than Thrawn? I've caught up on the Vader and High Republic comics. But no, no, not really. It's it's kind of a, a light for me, other than other than just kind of following random Star Wars news. I the the big news, like the thing that you sent me was the actress being cast as Sabine. Oh right. Yeah, I don't I haven't done any research on her. She's been in a couple other things. I know there's some grumbling about her not her not being the right 
ethnicity for Sabine, but I thought there's been some grumbling about that on Star Wars Twitter, but I always thought Sabine was kept vague on purpose, and I'm not I'm not going to drill down on that too much. The other thing that I was doing, I forgot about this, is I did start the Ronin novel, which is a continuation of the first episode of Visions, The Duel, and it's good so far, but I stopped reading it to read the Thrawn book, because I'm a little bit more invested in that. So I'll circle back to the Ronin book in a week or so. Yeah, I I bought it. I haven't listened to it yet. I've been listening to another audiobook, The Sandman on Audible. It's pretty good. I think I mentioned sure. that to you. Yeah. The production value is pretty awesome. I'm not a fan of the graphic novel, mainly because I didn't know about it, but it's pretty pretty wild. It's for uh, good for uh, something to distract you if you're uh, walking the dog or running or have a commute. But you, one thing that you, you didn't mention is that you got your R2-D2 uh, dome. Oh, right. So I guess that's that's big news, but it's not Star Wars media related. But I am building, for those who don't know, I'm building a one-to-one replica of R2-D2 slowly over the course of the past year. turned into like a pandemic sanity project for me and the kids. And while we have most of the parts for the body, minus some details and some painting getting the head has been very difficult getting the dome but this past week i did receive a dome from another builder who basically stopped his project and it arrived and we're we have it so we haven't installed it yet but i'm missing some just nuts and bolts to mount the ring onto the sort of sled the turntable where it's going to go but yeah, we have all the pieces now to build the sculpture. So now it's installing the servos and programming the motherboard and everything. So I'm hoping in the next six-ish months to have a fully functional R2 in the house and terrorize the dog. Because <laughs> you're going to put the uh, the cattle prod? Yeah, well, we'll get the taser. Get the taser attachment. No, I mean, it's a big, difficult piece to get the dome they're they're hydroformed under very high pressure and they're hard to come by so laser cutting of the dome and the hydrofoaming is it's it's the piece that everybody's looking for all the time so i'm very excited to have one and start to play with it are there only a few people that make them yeah basically no one makes them it's like two guys that make all of them and the equipment is super expensive and so there's just no way to do it other than to wait for them to do a, a small parts run for it, and they might do 20 or 30 at a time a couple times a year. And so the market is very tight for domes. I still monitor the thread, even though I have one, because like, if I make a mistake or ruin one, which I really hope I don't, but it might be a year before I get another one. R2-D2 domes, ammo... Those are all things that are in short supply uh, these days. Yeah, preppers. Preppers need astromech droids. <laughs> Dooms, doomsday preppers need astromech droids to, to tase people, I guess. Yeah. Back when I was looking at joining the uh, 501st, apparently there's a the, the person who's the armorer, or considered the armorer for my local garrison, he just has like a, a press in his backyard that he just has to just inject the... the, the the plastic and then just 
mold it and it's just something he can just he can just do like crank crank them out like crazy so i thought that maybe that that there was somebody who had something like that set up for the r2 heads but maybe not or maybe they do it's just it's so it's such a pain in the ass they only do it a couple times a year yeah i mean if you want the metal ones if you want like a an aluminum hydroformed semi sphere of several millimeter thick aluminum that has a two foot diameter, it's a big piece of metal. You have to go sort of wait around route. If you don't want to wait around and get a metal one, you can 3D print um, a plastic one. And you just 3D print it in a couple sections and glue it together. And that was the that's always the fail safe. It was like just print one. What about the clear ones? Yeah, so you can also get a, an acrylic one. And those are easier to find, but obviously there's drawbacks to that one as well, just stylistically. But I actually saw a really beautiful one in one of the club, one of the R2 Maker websites that used an acrylic um, dome. He had a really, really cool view of like the internal mechanisms and everything, and it sort of looked like the way the, the droids look. I don't know if, if you have ever seen like one of the little toys with the detachable droid heads. We've got like a little motor underneath the dome. And he sort of made it look like that. It was really cool. So you can get creative with it for sure. I've got I've got the dome now, so I just have to figure out how to mount it and how that works and sort of move forward there. So I'll keep you posted. And every once in a while, I throw a photo up on Twitter of my progress. I'll definitely do that when I get the dome installed in the next month or so. Cool. All right, so moving on to today's review, we're going to talk about Toby, or TOB1, also known as Toby. Its approximate runtime is 13 minutes. Jamie's going to do the summary, the plot summary, but I'm going to do the little production cast thing I do in the beginning. We're going to talk about three people. First, Jaden Waldman. He plays the titular TOB1, or Toby, but he was also in The Duel, the first episode where he played the child chieftain. Didn't have a lot of lines in that one. We sort of skipped over him, but I'm glad we got to mention him here. He has other credits. Also, he worked on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which my wife and I really like that show. Um, If you haven't seen it, it's pretty funny. He has a reoccurring role on the PBS kids show Pinkalicious and Petterific, which I don't know that show personally, but it has a lot of episodes. It must be pretty popular. He's done other English language dubbing for anime, including Miraru or Miraya, which is written by Memura Masoda, who's well, who's a well-renowned anime writer and director in Japan. He's probably best known in the U.S. for his work on Digimon, though. But he makes Digimon. a lot. Digital monsters. Yeah, I never watched Digimon. Oh, but no, my, my son did. And it's, it's, it's one of those, it's just like, I'm just too tired, and this is keeping you occupied. So, okay. Just yeah, watch put it. down those put down those entertaining Mattel toys. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this young actor is involved in dubbing of these great anime works already. So he's a logical choice. Moving down the cast list, we have Kyle Chandler who plays a Mikata. He's got a ton of other work to his name as well. This is his first Star Wars credit though, but he's been on things like Friday Night Lights. He was in the movie Argo. He was on Grey's Anatomy. He's done VO work. And had a single appearance on American Dad as Coach Keegan in the episode introducing the naughty stewardesses. Oh, I remember that episode. <laughs> yeah, I put I put that in for you. 
welcome to Star Wars, Kyle. Happy to have you. And the final, the final cast member today we'll talk about is a guy named Neil Kaplan. Neil was also in a previous episode of Visions. He was the narrator in The Ninth Jedi, who did sort of the beginning voiceover, giving the the crawl. I think we called it in our review. Neil is a VO actor. It's been in other Star Wars video games, including KOTOR. He played Darth Bandon and a lot of other characters in that game. His IMDb page is one of these people that it just doesn't seem possible that he's been in all of that stuff. But he's been in everything. He's been in every Power Rangers show since the 90s. He played Diabolica. I don't know how to say that. It's like a gold-armored monster that terrorized the Power Rangers. He was Optimus Prime. He's been in EverQuest, Avatar, League of Legends, Spider-Man, Final Fantasy, every single video game version of every movie or franchise you can think of. He's been in it. He literally has something like 700 credits to his name. Really intimidating, but he's done a ton of VO work in Star Wars video games, and so look him up. He... He plays the Inquisitor today, which has very few lines. Pretty effective character. That's it for the cast and crew today. So I guess we could just get right into the plot summary if you're ready. Yeah. All right. So so the show opens up with an old man talking to someone. A droid, uh, a small childlike droid, is released from a chair with these lights on. The boy droid, it's um, called uh, TOB1, but... If anybody's familiar with Star Wars, you can figure out that it's Toby. So I'll just go with Toby from this point on. He asks uh, this Professor uh, Mitaka if he made him uh, bigger again. Mitaka tells Toby to go get the CO3 because it's now his turn. Toby finds him in the room etched with scenes from the Rebellion and other galactic events. CO3 is sort of like an astromech droid. Toby tells CO3 that it's his turn for a tune-up and afterwards they can play Jedi. So right away, there's very much a, like a Pinocchio, Geppetto sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, we can get right into it, I guess. That's exactly the feeling I had. It's like the real boy scenario. Like the light. It's like in this weird table with like these lights all over it. And the lights even look like strings like coming off mm. of his body. Yeah, And it is completely a Pinocchio vibe. The animation style, of, especially of Mitaka, feels very Disney, much more so than it feels anime. I was ex- going to say exactly that. It feels like old Disney. Yeah, like it feels... Fantasia. It, exactly. It feels like that era, like 60s Disney, way more than it felt anime, especially his character. He had like that old rosy cheek sort of Santa Claus look to him almost. Mm-hmm. And I was looking up animation styles while I was waiting for us to figure out our technical stuff tonight to see if there was a name for that era. I couldn't find it. I just, I probably just wasn't doing enough research, but it is very different from every episode we've seen so far. And if you wouldn't have told me that this was like an anime anthology, an episode in an anime anthology, I probably would have assumed it was a Disney cartoon. Yeah, just, I don't know, just waiting for them to, like, start smoking or beat up Hitler or something like that. That's just, <laughs> they, kind of like, that's just kind of the, the, kind of the vibe that I get from it. 
But okay, so Ataka comes to a room later, and there's a couple dozen small droids, and Toby is playing Jedi with them. Now, uh, Mitaka gently scolds Toby, telling him that he's never supposed to go into the basement. Toby apologizes. Uh, Mitaka instructs his children to get to work. The droids all go into a lab, and they're working on something. Toby's working on a whiteboard with a series of equations. Toby's bored, and he asks uh, when they can stop. Mitaka says that they will be done when life returns to the planet. Clouds in the sky and plants in the ground. And uh, so this lab is some sort of terraforming facility, and it seems almost like uh, Tatooine because there's two suns and the the architecture, as well as the the style of clothing that Mitaka is wearing. Yeah, I got strong Tatooine vibes too. There's no material that I could find that confirmed what planet they're on. But it's twin suns, it's got the same sort of, I don't know, like Tunisian housing style that we're accustomed to. And yeah, just everything points to Tatooine, but I guess it can't be because it's a completely barren planet and Tatooine isn't. Have Well, have it's weird, just having recently read the, the Dune books, not to constantly bring Dune into this, but this was like the big thing of, that was the... One of the main plot points of Dune was trying to make Dune into a paradise. Uh, Arrakis, I should say. Welcome to Dunecast. Your... <laughs> so we're going to talk about sexual enslavement in this one. <laughs> for those What's of you who box, are... <laughs> yeah. For those of you who are familiar with the Honored Madres from Books 5... All right. Uh, we'll do a Dune cast after we finish all Star Wars cartoons everywhere. Oh, I could not do a Dune cast. I, just, I don't want to read. The, I don't want to read those books again. I, I'll read the first one again, maybe the second one, maybe the third one, but the rest of them, no, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Diminishing no. returns for sure. No, I'd rather read the Cimmerillion than, than read those books. All right. Um, okay. Let's get back to the. Let's get back to the show real quick. I just want to point out that all of these droids that he's interacting with that toby's interacting with they're all like miniature versions of the droids we know so they're they sort of look like astromech but they're maybe like a fourth the size they're just like tinier and this kind of comes up later that when he plays he kind of looks like when he's playing he looks like mega man well, he definitely looks like Mega Man later. There's like there's there's a scene coming up where it's like, oh, he's Mega Man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but but I don't defeated, know if I, I don't I don't know if I picked up on it this early. He's defeated Dark Side Man, and so then he's gained it, <laughs> the Dark Side power. <laughs> All right, no, that's not what happens. Or is it? I don't know. Okay. So terraforming facility. All right. So T- Toby asks them if he can hurry up. He wants to see the whole galaxy. That Mikata says that. Toby doesn't know what it's like out there and that, that they are safe in here doing their work. Toby has clearly heard his, this lecture before. Toby launches into a child's history of the Jedi and the Rebellion. Oh, Toby fantasizes about being a Jedi and fighting walkers and standing up to the Empire. His fantasy is broken by Makata. Makata asks him if he was fantasizing again. Toby says he wants to be a Jedi and help people. Makata t- tells him that when it comes to the future, there is the immediate and the distance. Mak- Kata says that being a Jedi isn't all about adventure and excitement. And this is pretty much where I figured out that Makata is, is probably a Jedi. 
because yeah, so I was going to ask you that exact thing at this moment. When did you figure this out? And you saying you're saying it's right now? Yeah, because like he's wearing Tatooine garb, but Tatooine garb also looks a lot like Jedi garb. So yeah, I like the fact that he finds well the fact that he says it isn't all about adventure and excitement in a, in a way that somebody who is a Jedi would say. The kid has just like wonder in his eyes. The person who you know really knows, just like yeah, that's that's now sort of like it's. It's like when I, I think went to I've, good. When I was working at the university, our alma mater, and there's some like like junior high or elementary school kids just like touring, and one of them sees me and asks me if I'm a football player, and I'm just like, <laughs> it's like yeah. Uh, no, like those guys are like ten times my size. It's just the the kind of the wonder, you know, of a child. Like you said in your your quote, right? Beautiful is the mind of the child, or whatever. This was also the moment where I started assuming that this was the story, that that this guy, Mitaka, was a Jedi at one point, and that this is the arc. That obviously they're setting up that this little. Little kid droid wants to be a Jedi. And that's something we've never seen. We've never seen a Force-sensitive android or droid, as far as I know. Not in canon, at least. I think there's some weird stuff that happened in Legends. But this is sort of a new thing to explore. Like, what does sentience really mean here? And he thinks he wants to be a Jedi. Yeah. Or maybe there's just a little kid's brain... um stuck in the body of it so he's technically alive maybe i'm reading too much into it you're saying it's maybe it's like a like a kang situation with like a little brain in a box someplace in him mm-hmm. yeah okay maybe yeah well, like i don't know like we don't get that like answer a, we don't get an answer to that question in this episode though like a like alita or i didn't watch that movie it was good no no but it's that's it, kind of the Thing. And then isn't like Astro Boy is something kind of like that. I don't think I think he's just a a robot that an we're going to talk made. about Astro Boy. <laughs> okay, all right. I won't get ahead, I won't get ahead of ourselves then. I just want to talk about Astro Boy in the discussion at the end. Um, all right, because I think I think this is like the cultural touch point for this this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I before I forget his the way that Toby is, is designed. He's kind of white with like some light blue accents. But his, his, I don't want to say his hip part. I don't know what you would want to call that. His, his abdominal section is very much modeled after C-3PO's. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of him. I didn't notice that before, but you're right. He is. Well, that's interesting. Well, that's pretty cool. I like the design really a lot. If you're gonna, if you're gonna make a, like a ten-year-old boy robot, really nailed it. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, yeah. So Toby says he's being called to be a Jedi, that he dreams it. Electric Sheep telling him to be a Jedi. Makata says that Toby is supposed to be a Jedi. He must find a Kyber crystal. So Toby sets out to find one on his speeder bike, and he rushes out in a montage looking for the Kyber crystal. Toby worries when he can't find it, and he won't be able to be a Jedi. Makata tells him to use the Force to find it, and that the Force is present in all things. Now, I want to I pause here for a second because this is the episode of montages. This is the second montage we've had, and it's not the last one. you got to have uh, a montage. So Toby's getting frustrated. He's searched everywhere except the basement. 
C03 tells Toby he has a bad feeling about this, so there, there's that. They go in the basement and they find a Skyhopper ship. Is that uh, T16? Is that the. Yeah, this is the exact ship that Luke had in um, A New Hope. So this is mm-hmm. more more nudging you toward, like, this is familiar, right, guys? This is familiar, yeah. right? This is. Yeah. It's not Tatooine, but it, it is. Right. Um, yeah. So a little bit more, a little bit more in that direction. But it's it's a gorgeous shot when they reveal this ship. I loved it. Yeah. Toby turns on the ship and is playing with the controls. He calls out to all Jedi and asks them to report on the comms. Now, the show flashes to a Star Destroyer where the signal is picked up and someone says it could be a survivor. An ominous ominous figure says Jedi. So basically, Toby has just told the space Nazis where. Uh, the Jewish Geppetto is hiding. Cut back to the hangar in the basement. Makata is scolding Toby for playing with the ship. Toby says that there might be a crystal in the basement. Makata rips the door off the ship with a force. He then moves some blocks out of the wall with a, with a force. Makata senses a ship approaching. He tells Toby to hide in the wall where he has made the hole. And this is... I didn't actually... I was just making kind of that joke that like yeah about the space nazis but this is actually pretty apt yeah this you know, is like, Anne frank yeah so he tells toby to hide in the wall where he made the hole toby asks makata not to deactivate him makata looks sad and sympathetic to toby and gives him two halves of his lightsaber makata instructs c03 to protect toby he seals the boy in the wall and says i'm one with the force and the force is with me toby and c03 get out of the wall and all the droids are smashed, and the professor is dead. the The whole complex looks like it's been through a, a battle. Yeah, and they find a here. big. Good. Yeah, they find a big pile of rocks where they assume the professor is buried. Yeah, let's stop here for a second. If you had any, like he uses the force in a very aggressive way to like rip the door off the ship, and and then hides this this boy in the wall, in a way that is incredibly reminiscent of like hiding from the Nazis. And tells the little astromech droid that it's his responsibility to make sure that Toby's okay. It's incredibly sad in this moment. At least I thought it was sad. And it's like we've seen this in other Star Wars stuff where the Jedi just knows, right? Like I'm not going to make it, so mm-hmm. let's let's protect what we can protect. And you're going to hide in the wall. He's previously called these droids children, like his children, and. You see them just completely destroyed. Minute, like a minute. Like, obviously a battle happened while Toby was hiding in the wall, and they're walking around, and everything is destroyed, and everything is gone. All their little experiments are smashed, and there's a grave outside. So it's a very powerful and sad moment. Yeah, well, I guess I wasn't that much invested in it. I, all I could think of was like, well, if, everybody's, if, if all the droids are destroyed and everybody's dead, who buried him? Surely, surely wasn't the Inquisitor. Yeah, I did have that question too. But who, like, who made the grave? But like, as far as a Star Wars plot hole, that's a pretty minor one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So Toby puts uh, Makata's lightsaber in his grave and rebuilds the lab in another montage. Toby gets the plants to grow in the incubators and completes the math. He notices clouds and plants growing on Makata's grave, and it starts to rain. Toby cries in joy at accomplishing his master's goal. He hears his master's voice telling him to use the force, and the lightsaber assembles with a kyber crystal. 
didn't understand where the kyber crystal was. It was in him. Uh, I I didn't understand from the sequence either, and so I was I, a lot of my research was trying to like figure out the plot points that I didn't understand, and that was one of them. And there was multiple materials saying that the kyber crystal was inside Toby yeah. the entire time. The, the kyber crystal was the friends Toby made along the way. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Toby now has a lightsaber and does some tricks with the other joints he's rebuilt. It's still raining when a ship from earlier comes back. Now this is, uh, you can see that it's a an Inquisitor ship because it's the it's the Tie Fighter with kind of the uh, rounded wings. Like this parentheses for wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Toby sees a lightsaber and thinks it's a Jedi. He figures out pretty quickly that it's not a Jedi but a Jedi killer. So Toby and the Inquisitor fight. Toby's no match at first. Toby then has a vision of him and the Professor. Makata tells him that he's proud of Toby and knights him as a true Jedi. Uh, he does a version of the knighting ritual. He doesn't do the full one. But it's like he just does like by the will of the Force. He doesn't right. put it by the right of the Council because, I don't know. Because the Council's gone, maybe? Yeah, the Council's <laughs> long gone. <laughs> yeah, the only one left is Yoda and Obi-Wan. Um... So, <clears throat> and Anakin, but he's not a mass master, so it doesn't count. <laughs> Sing. I just think of that. Sorry, that, that meme where Grogu calls Anakin. It was, it was from Billy Madison. Yeah, Master Skywalker. <laughs> and Anakin's like, thanks, Grogu. That means a lot. <laughs> Sorry. We should post that on our webpage. So people yeah. understand what we're laughing at. Sure, I'll find it. Okay, so Toby comes back, and he attacks the Inquisitor. And Toby is kicked, and he flies backward. Toby tells C-03 to open the valve, and the Inquisitor is in some sort of pressure explosion, but keeps coming. Now, I will admit, I did like some of the uh, lightsaber fights, in this, especially with Toby. It's probably one of the things that I liked the most. Yeah, so, it, was, it was good. Can we, can we pause here for a second? I sort of want to talk about his vision because I'm curious if you noticed in the knighting ceremony that Mitaka has arms. No. So Mitaka, Mitaka's a double amputee throughout the whole episode. He doesn't have arms. Presumably he lost them doing some Jedi shit. But when he's a Force ghost, he has arms again. And he uses the arms like he would, like a person would when he's knighting Toby. It's it's very subtle that he doesn't have arms, but he spends a lot of time in that chair. That's sort of walking around, and the chair has these little like needle arms that stick out and do all of his work for him. And after I watched it a couple times, I was looking to see how they portrayed his physicality in each of the scenes, and his sleeves are empty in every scene. They just, like, flop around. Didn't notice that, but yeah, you're right. I'm just thinking about, like, the first scene you see, it looks like he has noodle arms. So that explains that. Explains that. I just thought it was an animation thing. Yeah, and when he rips the door off of the ship, he's, like, pointing with his shoulder when he does it, rather than his hand. 
And so he's like leaning down and his shoulder is pointing toward the door and his hand is still like the sleeve is still limp to the, to his side. Hmm. And so I really like that detail when they add his arms back. And then even when I watch it with closed captioning too, and the inquisitor, when he's fighting, Toby says, did that armless Jedi hide you here? And that's when I started digging. I was like, okay, so, so this is an intentional, like, body horror moment. I bring it up because something is about to happen that that matters as far as like Toby's growth. So the yeah, so the Inquisitor stabs Toby through the hand, and Toby rips off his arm to escape. The Inquisitor is shocked that a droid can be a Jedi, and. Now the small astromech droids uh, shock the Inquisitor all at the same time, and he cuts through them. Toby tells CO3 to combine with him, and Toby gets a power-up. Now the powered-up Toby jumps through the Inquisitor and kills him. Toby passes out. Now, yeah, this is where very much where he, like he, this is like the power-up scene, like in every anime show. Yeah. That like it's in the middle of just some nebulous area that like, he gets like power ups. This might have been like Voltron assembling. Yeah. Or or anything, right? But he comes out of it looking exactly like Mega Man. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's just like standing there or it's like Iron Man. Like his parts of him are glowing and you can like see his armor is changed. And it's a lot of my criticism that I had for some of these other ones where, oh, okay, you're going to just, like, deus ex machina your shit out of, out of this problem, right? You're just going to say, like, oh, by the way, I can, like, combine myself with this astromech and become, like, super powerful. Like, all right, well, what were you waiting for? Yeah. Right, because you just cut your – you just had to rip your own arm off. Yeah, it's the – that episode of Rick and Morty where they don't immediately form the, the Gotron. They have to – attack individually and then assemble it's just like the power rangers are just right. like it's 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 for, it's kind of the same formula that they why not just form the big badass robot right away and then just win but stakes i, I guess stakes drama <laughs> like whatever but it's it's one of the moments where i was like all right i gotcha i gotcha like like now you have like a secret weapon that no one knew about that's cool um let's keep going mm-hmm. <laughs> Later on, on a green planet, Toby gets in the ship with some of the plants and goes on to help other planets, because that's what Jedis do. The end. All right, we did it. Number, yeah. six in the, number six in the can. I think I really want to hear your opinion of it before I tell you my opinion. And so can you go first and tell me whether or not you liked it? So first off, there is a subreddit that's just r slash t-i-h-i, and it's thanks, I hate it. I really disliked this one. I found some redeeming parts. Um, it's like the second go around, but otherwise I really did not like this episode at all. Okay, can we drill down on your thoughts on it before I give you my opinion? I want to ask you pieces of it, and you tell me if, if it helped or hurt the story. Basically, the concepts of the story, and you tell me if, if it's something you liked or hated. Is that okay? So, a droid Jedi. Like it or hate it? Hate it. The fact that... The, that he made these droids to be children. Weird. The whole Pinocchio thing. Eh. So you'd be okay with the Pinocchio story if, if that was the story. Yeah. 
Because like in his in his vision, he sees himself as a boy, getting this like Jedi power bestowed onto him. You said you liked the lightsaber battle with the Inquisitor, but just for just for our discussion here, you like the Inquisitor, you like that lightsaber battle. Oh, I like the lightsaber battle. I thought the Inquisitor was an interesting design, kind of a very Black Knight like. He had like sharp teeth and things. It was really good. Yeah, overall that part I I enjoyed. I didn't really. I mean, there. Those are the only two things that I kind of like really enjoyed. The rest about, of it was just kind of. What about the terraforming plot and the fact that the Jedi, like that, that's something like a Jedi would do. I like the terraforming. The, the thing that that's a, what a Jedi would do. I don't really think that's true, Un- unless they were going to. Jedi would be helping people, not terraforming. Unless there's people like living there that needed help living. Sure. So I, I think I got a pretty good sense of what you disliked about it. I'll say from, from my point of view, the first time I watched it, I didn't like it. I, I just didn't get it. I was like, okay, this is not super interesting. I don't get it. The more I watched it, I watched it four times for us. Probably by the second or third time, I, I really started to grow on me. And I don't I don't dislike it. I just don't quite understand it. I like the idea that you can give something enough sentience to sort of bestow on it life. I don't mind that part at all. I think I think sort of consciousness and life are an emergent property of a complex system. And and sure, if the force is in everything, then why shouldn't a sentient being, even if it's inorganic, not be able to experience the force? Yoda says it's in rocks, for example. And so if you could bestow sentience on a rock, maybe a rock could feel the force. There were certain aspects of it, like hiding in the wall. That scene, I think, was very affecting on me. He chose him to live in like a weird way that like a parent would i don't know i thought i felt very connected to him in that moment but i get that it's not everybody's cup of tea but i I ultimately think it's it's definitely not my least favorite it's it's right in the middle for me Hmm. yeah it's this is hard to get through i it was hard to get through the first time and then i was cringing to watch it again and watch it again. I was like, yeah, uh, I mean, there's a little, a little better, but not, not, I still didn't really care for it that much. Sure. So the, so the cultural touch point for sort of this storyline is Astro Boy. It's like a old Japanese comic. I don't know what you'd call it. I guess it's manga. And it is about, a child android that is made who is sentient because in their culture in the world of Astro Boy there are sentient robots and they do sentient things yeah it's I don't know if you're familiar with it at all I was not did you ever read it or watch any of the adaptations of it um I think the one that came out wasn't Nicolas Cage in it I have no idea I mean was was it? I th- yeah, think so. There, there, there was a... 
yeah, there was a movie made in like 2009. I don't know if Nicolas Cage was in it. Um, yeah, he was. You're right. Nicolas Cage was in it. So have you, did you see that movie? Yes. Okay, I did not. What did you think of that movie? It was all right. When you're watching kids move. The bar is low. The bar is low. Yeah. Okay. I've never watched it, but I, I just wanted... Everyone was talking about, like, oh, this is just like Astro Boy, just like Astro Boy. And I was like, oh, maybe I should watch that, but I ran out of time. I don't know how you handle the idea of, like, a sentient robot. There's that there's that terrible Haley Joel Osment movie where AI, I think... Oh, yeah. That movie needs to end when he commits the murder and not... Like, they literally say, like, oh, and 20,000 years later, right? And, like, a sentient species of robots, like, digs him up and revives his mother so he can have one more day with his mother or some stupid bullshit. That movie's fucking terrible. But but it's another attempt at showing, like, what happens when you create AI, a sentient being that's artificial. Like, what responsibilities do you have for that being? And... I wish there was a little bit more in that realm, but as far as like a 13-minute cartoon short about a terraforming Jedi and his robot boy child, I thought it was pretty good. If that's the story you want to tell, tell, you did it. You nailed it. But it's not... There's a lot of issues I have with it, but overall I sort of liked it. Hmm. All right. You're more forgiving about these sort of things than I am. I think that's true, but I want to commend you for giving the plot summary of it because you really, really disliked it, and you did a great job <laughs> summarizing the plot. No, you did. Oh, I, think it's, I think it's I think it's worth noting, right? You you obviously hated it, but you did a great job talking about it. Well, uh, I am a professional. <laughs> professional? What? <laughs> I don't know. That's a Ferris Bueller line. All right, do you want to do the ranking? Yeah, all right. So now is the time when we uh, rank episodes. We rank episodes by uh, Star Wars characters. A great episode would be a Luke, Han, Leia, Darth Vader, Chewie, somebody from the originals, one of the most beloved characters. A really bad episode would be uh, somebody either really shitty or just super inconsequential oh the the imperial officer that tries to get into the uh lift with them but they're like they're like pointing at chewbacca and they're like "Mm -mm." so that guy all right i'm sure he has a name i'm sure he does (laughs) so yeah so this for me uh this is a kitster because they brought in wizard and as a term of like that's so cool that it's like thanks I, i i hate it i hate that so what do you what do you rank this? I guess I'm going to I'm not going to give him a legends character. I'll I'll do an As Morgan. It's an interesting it's an interesting idea. It's a it's a decent execution. There's problems with with the story with the character, but ultimately I think it's a pretty good addition to Star Wars. Okay. As Morgan is the is the guy on Rebels, like the yeah the red or, guy. Yeah, exactly. He was one, he was some of the concept art, original concept art for. Yeah, he's played by. Oh, James. Sorry, James Hong. 
James Hong. So he's somebody that you would recognize. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at him right now. Yeah, he he was the bad guy in um, Big Trouble Little China. He was the the guy from the Chinese restaurant in that Seinfeld episode. Yeah, he's kind of a character actor. He's done. I think he's done a fair amount of VO. Yeah, he's very recognizable. I just he's been in everything. Yeah, in um, fact, I think he I think he is in one of the one of the upcoming visions. He is. He's in the Elder in the English in the English language version. He he's he plays the Elder. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, something to look forward to. Well, that's another one. <laughs> anything anything you want to say before we get out? No. No. We're I'm fine. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend if you liked it. And if you didn't like it, tell somebody you don't like about it to uh, waste their time. Right? So, we'll be back uh, hopefully next week with another episode of Visions. Bye. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Thank <laughs> you.